0: This morning, uh, Brother Steve will be bringing you a lesson. Uh, it be from John 6, uh, verses 52 through 64. And before I read that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we're so thankful to be here once again to worship you in spirit and in truth. And just pray, Father, that you be with Brother Steve as he presents a lesson this morning, uh, guide him through the lesson he has prepared, and just bless him and his family as they serve you. Thank you, Father, for all things you give us daily. Uh, May we always uh, uh, put you first in our lives, Father, and forgive us when we don't. uh, Just may we always uh, look into your word to find the guidance we need in our lives on how to live, how to treat one another, but most of all, how to uh, love you and and, uh, put you first. Uh, Thank you for your word, and uh, be with us now as we look into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 6, starting with verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as they taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then? If... You should see the Son of Man ascend when he, where he was before. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him.
1: Good morning, good to see everyone today, in spite of the rather frigid conditions. I just heard the vents kick on, as if on cue. Good to see everyone, happy Valentine's Day. Um, As Craig said, on Valentine's Day, you can expect a sermon about love, and that sermon will come tonight. So, come tonight. Don't act like you're going to get in some restaurant between 6 and 7.30 tonight. That ain't happening. you got nowhere to be, except here with your brothers and sisters. Hopefully, it's a lesson that uh, will teach you, teach us things that God wants us to know. And I think it's an important lesson. But then again, I think this morning's lesson is important as well. Uh, Over the weekend... We watched a movie called Epic, which that's kind of a big title to give. It's a cartoon, one of those animation things. Have you seen that one? I'm getting some nods. If you have children, you've probably seen Epic. Epic is a story uh, about a guy who believes that there are tiny humans living in an advanced society in the forest. And he goes around uh, trying to find them. Okay, I'm getting some nods. You know that movie. It was, yeah, it's fine. Jennifer loved it. I'm sorry, it was a great movie. 10 out of 10. Don't shrug at me. All right. Um, anyway, um, th- this all relates to what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is this book, right? Raise your Bible up if you have one. Even if it's electronic, that counts. That's good. Those of you that don't, that's, we, you, we can talk about that later. But hopefully you have this book because, you know, for centuries, uh, people have gathered in groups just to hear the words that are in this book being read. Just sit there for hours sometimes, and just listen to the words being read because, as you may not, as you may know. It wasn't until the 15th century that we had a printing press, so books were really expensive and most people didn't know how to read. It's wonderful that we have the inspired words of God in this book. And I realize as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit over the last week and a half or two weeks, I've maybe... Jumped a little farther ahead, so I'm going to step back just a little bit. And learning all this stuff about the Holy Spirit, I want to change your view of the world. Like in Epic, for thousands of years, people have believed there are things around us in nature and in the universe that we just can't see. And just don't understand. People really did believe that there were probably little creatures living in the forest. Because the forest was vast. You couldn't go into the forest. You'd get lost. It was a dangerous place full of wild animals. You really didn't know what was in the forest. And so people believed that there were fairies and... And uh, bodkins, I don't know, that was one of the things in the, in the movie Epic. They believed in these things. And around the time, around 150 years ago, we began to have improved methods of finding out where are the fairies in the forest, where are the will o' the wisps, where are the bodkins, all that different stuff. And we were able to determine scientifically that there were in fact no As far as we know, I don't want to blow it for your kids out there. I don't know for sure, but we have pretty advanced ways of telling. We even have satellites now, so no square inch of Earth isn't visible somehow. You can go look it up online. And the mystery is taken out of the universe. I'm saying that was, in some ways, a mistake. Now, don't think that I'm going crazy I started off that way when I came here. You guys knew that, right? I started off crazy. The universe is filled with things that we don't understand because while knowledge is something that God gives to us, He gives us minds to understand, minds to build things, sometimes, like in the Tower of Babel, We can use our technology in a way that separates us from God. Because we have this very rational view of the world, we've made the Holy Spirit take a back seat in our lives. As a matter of fact, not only a back seat, but it's been thrown completely out of the bus. Where the Holy Spirit doesn't impact our daily lives. I grew up. Believing that the Holy Spirit is revealed through God's Word. That's absolutely true. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the other lessons, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit being in us and how the Holy Spirit changes how we act and even what it is that we think is important. What it is we want in this world. And I've emphasized that quite a bit, but today... I want to talk about how and why having the Spirit in your life on a day-to-day basis requires these words. And you, everyone who raised the book up, are lucky enough to have all of those words in your hand accessible 24 hours a day. It is therefore important so that you can live With the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit, like we're talking about on our Wednesday night class, which is a very good and and rather active class. You should join us if you aren't already. Um, Let's just go to the beginning. Let's go to. This is an easy one to find. Even if you don't know the books of the Bible, you can go to Genesis chapter one. Relating to Epic, believing that the Holy Spirit moves about the universe and is involved in our lives, He's involved with us right now. I hope that we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. That's not crazy. Genesis 1 starts with this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth... Was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. So, what was there in the beginning? The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God is integral to the universe. I know I'm getting into metaphysics and stuff like that, but I'm just reading out of the Bible. The Spirit of God moves about us. And as Christians, we need to live in the Spirit. Again, let's go move a little bit forward to Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. What were things like in the beginning before man chose sin? It says, after Adam and Eve had sinned, verse 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Do we really stop on that too much? Well, that sounds like a kid's story. That's a kid's story. Well, just because it's a kid's story doesn't mean it's not a good story and a useful story. and It doesn't mean that these words aren't the truth of the Holy Spirit, of the living God. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The way the universe was meant to be is that we live with God, that God is with us, and that we're pure enough that we can be in God's presence. But because we choose sin being in God's presence would be fatal to us. And so that separation is there. And God has been slowly, if you read through the Bible, it's the story of God from here on out. From Genesis 3.8 to Revelation, it's the story of God bringing us back to Him. We talked on Wednesday night about how we are baptized And we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. But being in contact with the Holy Spirit requires prayer. But it also requires the wonderful words of life that we sang about this morning. They are the words of life. That's exactly what Jesus said. Did I call you, Bob, and tell you to lead that song? You had no idea, did you? It's because the Holy Spirit moves in this church. How many times do we see it again and again? There's a message God wants you to receive. These are the words of life, these are the words of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, we talked about the Trinity God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit. We don't understand that completely. We're not going to. Let's go to John chapter 1, and this is another beginning. In the beginning was, what? The Word. What? What do you mean the Word? Where was the Word? The Word was with God. Who was the Word? The Word was God. Getting back to the beginning. The Word was with God from the beginning. In case you didn't know this, God the Father Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit all kind of intersect. And again, men and women way smarter than I have spent 2,000 years trying to find out exactly what that means and no one's done it so far. And we don't have to know exactly what that means because we don't have to understand exactly everything about God. We just have to understand what it is He's telling us. And those are the words. And through this word, all things were made, verse 3. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Verse 3 of Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. And this light is the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it or the darkness has not understood it. It depends on how you translate that. I think both translations are good. Darkness has not overcome the word, but also the darkness cannot understand the word. Let's go forward to John chapter 6. I'm going to try to explain more without getting too crazy. This is part of the very lengthy passage that I asked Dave to read. And like a champ, he did it. I just wanted to hear his dulcet tones as he reads to us. Okay. Jesus says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Remember the context that Dave read about. Jesus was teaching them some difficult things. And they're like, wait a minute, that that sounds really nuts. What you're saying, I don't get it. And frankly, it's kind of offensive if not just kind of gross and stupid. What are you saying, Jesus? Look at those verses in John chapter 6. That's basically what's going on. They're grumbling and going, is this guy crazy? What's going on? And Jesus says, the words that I give you are life. And the life is the Spirit. What does all this mean? Read the words. You know, Craig was talking about the uh, read the Bible in a year program where you read a portion of God's Word every day. That's filling your mind and your heart with the words of life. You don't have to go somewhere special where somebody owns one gigantic copy of the Bible and we all sit down and that person reads through it You can sit there at home with your cup of coffee or Mountain Dew or even Red Bull or just water and read your Bible at home and fill your mind and your heart and your soul with the words of life. We need to walk in the Spirit. As Christians, we've discounted the value of the Holy Spirit. Every new Christian understands the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us as Christians have encounters of the Holy Spirit, and our 21st century mindset says, well, that's all crazy. That's all fairies in the forest and bodkins and all that other stuff. Except in this case, it is real. Just because you're having a supernatural experience, all supernatural means is it's something that a scientist cannot recreate the scientist a scientist cannot recreate the holy spirit of god that doesn't mean the holy spirit of god doesn't live and move today just as it has from the beginning and the word is also jesus christ by whom nothing by whom everything was made and the power of christ the power of the holy spirit gives life to the whole universe keeps the universe together i i know i'm talking like a crazy person, like some sort of hippie standing out on the campus of UC Berkeley. But these are difficult things. You guys probably haven't been there. There's people like that. They just like seems like they're they're stitching random sentences together. I hope that your spirit will listen to the spirit of the words of life that we're reading this morning. It may, to the world, it sounds like random sentences being strung together, but to the spirit, you should be able to hear the words of life. And we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we're baptized. The Spirit's temple is in us. We can listen to the Spirit, but we can't listen to the Spirit completely (laughs) if we're not listening to the words of life. And if you're not spending time at least weekly, ingesting the words of life and spending every day meditating on the words of life, you will not have life in you. If you feel dead inside, if you feel like your faith is dead, there's a lot of reasons. Maybe you're graving the Holy Spirit, or maybe you're just not drinking from the fountain of life. I'm not saying this. Jesus is. It is the Spirit who gives life. Flesh will not give you life. The words that Jesus spoke, that we have written down right here, are life and Spirit. All right, moving on a little bit. Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 12 and 13. The Word of God is living and active. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. What does it mean the Word of God is living and active? Well, I can't tell you for sure all the answers to that. I can't. I do know that when I read God's Word, something changes in me. When we sit around like we did this morning, and we read God's Word together, there's something going on that's not completely explicable by natural forces. The Spirit of God is with us, and the the Spirit of God moves in the souls of those who absorb and meditate on it. And this next part is really strange. We read it a lot, but we, we don't really understand it. Uh, Maybe we do, but maybe we can understand it a little better this morning. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any scalpel. They didn't have scalpels back then, so they came up with two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay, I'm not writing this stuff. Paul is. It sounds like he's stringing random sentences together here. None of this seems to fit. That's because we're talking about things that language can only draw a line around. They can't words can't contain the spirit of God. What he's saying is, remember on Wednesday we were studying what's the difference between the spirit and and the mind, right? How the mind affects how we behave? I mean, how the spirit affects how we behave and the decisions we make? Whereas the brain is the meat part of us where, that, where our spirit is taken into action. You guys are all staring at me. Are you still with me? Okay. So then what is the difference between my brain and my spirit? Well, look at this. 2,000 years ago, Paul already answered that question. The Word of God can divide soul and spirit. We don't know the difference, but it knows. And and skipping joints and marrow, it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And we were talking this morning in our Bible class about how, how low of a bar God sets for us as far as determining whether or not we are obedient. I'm a holy man of God. Not because I'm so good at controlling myself. Not because I'm so much smarter or better or more pious than anywhere else. I'm a man of God just because I want to be and Christ has given that gift to me. And the question comes up, and this came up on Wednesday night, well, how do I know that I'm not just fooling myself? How do I know I just don't think that? Well, you know what? You don't have to know that. The Spirit of God knows. He knows the difference between your brain and your spirit. He knows the difference, but He knows what your actual thoughts and intentions are. Thank you for the one amen. I appreciate that. Is everyone just like... And that's fine. It's all very heavy this morning. But we're learning this stuff because we need to let the Spirit of God get us through life. We're trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to be good enough, smart enough, pious enough. How's that working out? Not so great. And we were talking about this morning, Satan uses that against you because every time you give up, We talked about that this morning. You give up because you say, you know what? I just can't do it. I might as well stop trying. And that's backwards. Wanting to do it, God knows what your heart is. He knows what your thoughts are. If you want to be holy, Christ will make you holy. And it's not about success or failure. It's about reaching out and grabbing onto the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ that makes us holy. What do we have to be down about? What do we have to be down on ourselves about? Nothing. Nothing. You know, when my kids do something, they're like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, there's no thunder. That was just a minor wardrobe malfunction. My kids say, I'm sorry. And I know God feels the same way. Don't be sorry. Oh, you're going to wait? Okay. We're good now. Bring me back up. Don't be sorry. Be better. God doesn't need us to be sorry. Jesus died for our sin. Being sorry doesn't serve God's purposes. If it leads to repentance, then yes, it does. But continuing to be sorry after you repent doesn't help God. It just helps the evil one tell you you're bad. Are you saying that I shouldn't be sorry for what I did? I'm not saying that. I'm saying once you've repented, being sorry is not useful anymore. So why don't you just be better? And the chief way to become better is through prayer and through the words of life. Don't spend 15 minutes telling God how sorry you are. 30 minutes, don't walk around your whole day being down on yourself because you're so sorry. Why don't you instead just pick up your book anywhere, any page, and read the words of life? Much more profitable. Oh. Moving on to verse 13. We all we're all hooked up here. All right, so in a good spot. And so wait, I'm not clipped on enough. Let us resume. Going to verse 13. It says, "No creature is hidden from the sight of the spirit of God." Rather, everyone is naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He's talking about God, he's talking about Jesus, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Yes, he is. I don't know what percentage he's talking about each one there. If you're thinking in percentages, you need to step back and say, God, I'm sorry, just tell me. I'll stop trying to dissect you from afar. You don't have the scalpel. You don't have the two-edged sword. The Holy Spirit has the two-edged sword. Your job is to not dissect and measure God. Your job is to listen and obey. Your job as a child is not to ask your parents what their financial plans for the future are and what what's the nutritional value of this week's meals. Your job is to clean your room. And do your homework. Stop worrying about my job. Do your job. And just listen when I tell you to do something. And be nice to your sister. Be nice to your brother. Stop whining. Live in the joy of all the things I've given you. And let me love you, which is the whole reason you're here to begin with. Am I talking to my kids or is God talking to us? Yes. Both. Just a quick one, Psalm 119, you probably have heard this. It's even in songs. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is that saying? You can learn a lot in school, you can understand a lot of things, but at the end you're still a human and there's only so much you can know and there's more to the universe than you can measure So instead of relying on your own wisdom and your own genius, soak in the words of God and let them light your way. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now I always read 2 Timothy or 1 Timothy with caution because some people try to apply some of the things that were written to Timothy, they try to apply that to everyone. And maybe it is applicable, I don't know. But you have to bear in mind that Timothy was a preacher. So when Paul writes to him, some of the things that he writes to Timothy apply to everyone. They certainly all apply to me. And maybe all of them apply to all of us. I don't know. But most of this does. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. He's talking about Timothy's upbringing in the Jewish faith and all the time he spent just sitting there and listening to or reading from the scrolls at the synagogue says as for you Timothy continue in what you've learned and had firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it from whom did he learn it spirit of God and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings Which sacred writings were Timothy familiar with? I'll tell you, all of these ones. And more, by the way. Not just these ones. He was familiar with more. Just like we're familiar with more books than just the Bible. Um, You've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, for reproving, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now that last part there is obviously aimed at preachers, but a good argument can be made that it's aimed at all of us so that we can be well equipped for every good work. Either way, whether we're teaching classes or preaching or whatever, if the words are breathed out by God, those are the words of life. It's our last verse. Oh, finally. John chapter 17. This is Jesus' prayer, part of Jesus' prayer, for us, for you and me, sitting here on February 14th, 2021. God, uh, Jesus said this prayer for us. There's a lot to this prayer, but I'm just going to read part of it. He knows Jesus knew that the world would continue to be a difficult fallen place that hopefully as Christians we can help correct until Jesus comes back and redeems all of creation. But in this part, Jesus saying, I know it's tough. I I do not ask you that you take them out of the world, rather that you keep them from the evil one. They're not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Listen to that again. They're not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. Your kooky preacher, Steve, is not kooky because of what he's saying. He's kooky for other reasons. But you are not of this world. If you're baptized into Christ, you're not of this world anymore. You don't belong here. But we're here. We have work to do, and we have things to enjoy, and we have love to share and to receive. So what does Jesus say is the solution to this? Sanctify them and make them holy. How? In the truth. The truth makes us Holy. The truth sets us free. Well, how do we get the truth? What is the truth? Jesus says, your word, God, is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I want us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I don't know how we can have salvation without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've been talking about the supernatural workings of the Holy Spirit, but here's one that you all are familiar with. The words from God are the words of life. In them is the Spirit of God. You don't have to have a year plan to read them all. Just open this book once in a while. Oh, well, I'm afraid I might. What if I don't pick the right spot? Or what if I I may not be able to read? Or, you know, what if it's... Just stop it. Stop giving yourself excuses. Just pick it up and start reading. Easy. Or maybe you could have a plan. Well, What if I don't stick to my plan? Okay, that's Satan trying to get you to stop filling yourself with life before you even begin. Well, it's been like two weeks since I read my Bible. I, I feel like i failed. Okay, who does that help? Who does feeling like you failed help? Just the evil one? So stop feeling like you failed. Don't be sorry, be better. Let's all drink in the words of life so that we can be sanctified, so that we can live the simple, easy life living in the Spirit Full of peace and joy, even though the world around us may be chaotic. Maybe our circumstances are difficult. If you're having difficult circumstances or great circumstances and you want us, uh, you need our help, you want us to pray with you, if you want to be sanctified, if you're not a Christian, you want to be baptized this morning, we can do that. We've got water waiting right there. It's not doing anything. Be baptized this morning so you too can. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit while we stand and sing this song.